don't stay in your silo. Like, don't assume like so many brands like, oh, men are not our demo. Try it, test it. Or women 50 plus are too old for us. Or we need to be like with the hottest, you know, beauty people. What if maybe that's not like people want what they think they want. Like, it's really cool to have the hot women and promote your product. Maybe that's not where your product is going to shine. So don't stay in that silo. Hi, everyone. This is Joshua Hoffman and Alex Garashenko, and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success, and in season three, discuss how to build a community and referral network. Today, I have Sherry Langbert, the founder and CEO of Babelbox, a full-service influencer marketing agency that brings innovative solutions to social media through their multi-brand and signature box promotions. Welcome, Sherry. Hi, Alex. Hi, Josh. So I uh, I want to start and I want to go back to the early stages of your career, um, which I understand and we, we talked about last time, had a kind of unfortunate start. Um, so last time we spoke, you shared that you were actually robbed of everything you owned. Uh, and there was a lot that you actually learned from that experience. So can you share the story and kind of what you learned from that? Yeah. So um, I think what changed me at, and my career was, you know, I was moving from one part of New York to another. And it was the beginning of a lot of things digital, not the beginning, but a lot of things weren't verified and the movers drove away with my truck, but I had no idea. So everything I own was gone. And I think that when you're, you know, younger and living in a big city and starting out your career and like, oh, everything's going great. And I don't have to think about this and I don't have to think about that. And when you are faced with losing everything you own, it just changes you as a human being. And I will say that as rough as it was then, it changed me for the better because I became, I think I grew up at 30. Can I can I kind of just double click into that? And, and can you explain like what you, anything specific or even general that you kind of learned that you said, oh, you know, had that not happened, maybe I wouldn't be making those decisions a little bit better. Look, I think that, you know, I hate to go back to stereotypes, but I think that when you're young and living in a big city and you're like, oh, I'm going to spend on this and I'm going to spend on that. And despite my parents are very, you know, they're off the boat, very old fashioned. You should save, you should this, you should that. I didn't even know what any of what they were talking about. No, it's fine. I'm young. And I think, you know, and I see it with, you know, younger people, like when you lose everything, like all of a sudden you're like, I need to save and I need. And so rather than going to my parents saying, oh, you know, obviously they were like, can we help you? You have nothing. I didn't even have a mattress. Um, I chose to rebuild back my life. And so I slept in a sleeping bag and everything that I bought was like earned. And right away when I got my next job, every percent I could put in a 401k went into a 401k. Every bone, I still have the first bonus I got in a CD for years and years and years. I won't touch it because I think it just is a monument to what, I'm going to cry, but it's a monument to what happened all those years ago that made me really realize that, you know, there's ups and downs and you you have to kind of take things a little bit seriously. I uh, I appreciate you sharing that first of all. And wait, I just want to, you didn't understand, uh, you didn't share that detail last time. You put it on a truck, assuming that that truck was going to go to the next place and they just drove off. Well. So I'm going back a lot of years, but I was moving home for a few months to Montreal 
And so it was a storage company and they were going to put my stuff in storage, but they charged me for seven months. Every month I paid the storage fee. And then when I said, okay, I'm ready to come back. He's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but your stuff was gone. But I found out my stuff was gone right away. They made money off of my, me for all those months. Wow. Yeah. wow that's crazy. I, I honestly, I never heard a story like that. Um, so I guess for the next topic, uh, I actually want to take another step back um, because you honestly share one of my favorite stories uh, about how you got that Weight Watchers job. So that was your, I know that it kind of is entangled with this story as well. Um, but can you tell us a little bit more about that story of how you got that job? So understanding that my career started out, I wanted to be a writer, but it started out as being a technical writer. And then the company that I worked with kind of taught me how to be a business systems analyst. I was the worst business systems analyst. But one of my ideas back then, because I had been on Weight Watchers, is how come it was a software company. I'm like, why isn't anyone making software for Weight Watchers, right? Before Weight Watchers Online, like Weight Watchers was so outdated. And I was like, someone should, a point tracker, no, that didn't exist. And fast forward, it was my obsession to get this job at Weight Watchers. So finally, years later, when they started posting that a dot-com had launched, I was like, I have to get a job here. I have to. So I literally wrote people every day. I applied for every position. I applied to be the email marketing manager. I had never deployed an email. I applied to be the head of content. I had never written an article. Um, and so finally, a position came up that was, you know, general manager for Weight Watchers Canada online, but from the U.S. And I'm like, there's no one who's going to know technology, like what I knew of technology. There's no one who's going to know the regulations of food and health in Canada and the French and all the complications there. Like everything just fit. And, and I knew the diet and it was like, this is for me. So they thought I was a lunatic by then because I had been applying for a year. And so I took one of those caboodle kits that, you know, people store their hairbands and elastics, the clear ones. And I was in Canada at the time because it was, at, it was during that time I went back home and I filled it with junk. Um, that was all only junk food you could get in Canada. Like, I don't know. I'm now I'm drawing a blank, like arrow chocolates and ketchup chips. And I locked it and I put a presentation inside and I said, Sherry Langbert holds the key to reducing points in Canada. So then they gave me an interview and I'll never forget the not the person who next became the CEO wasn't this. He was head of biz dev. And he was like, either you're like going to be the most craziest hire and biggest mistake we ever made, or you'll be our best hire. And so they gave me the job. Has, has anyone amazing. tried it? So, so I think that's amazing. And, and the reason I really wanted to ask you about it is because I actually know a few people right now that are either don't have a job and looking for a job or they're in a job and they're looking for a job. And they have just sent out how many different emails, like hundred emails um, that sure, like, well, especially one of them, she's like this pen grad. Uh, she has already sold a company. So she's kind of looking for that upper, you know, whether it's a PM role or something like that. And, and there's a lot of competition there. And she sent out a hundred uh, emails or, or plus and hasn't got in the response that she wants to get. So um I think that lesson is so important because I keep, I, I literally, after our talk, I said, email or, or mail them something, mail them something. Mail. And like, it takes that a little bit of effort um, that, that I think something does. Separate, creative. But I just wanted to highlight that because I think it's so Thank important. You. I do think it can still work today. Um, so therefore, you know, the question that I want to ask with that is, uh, has anyone tried anything like that with you or have you ever even seen it another time? No, um, I do tell people to do something creative and it doesn't have to be that. But the funny thing is when you think about what I did, that's what I do now. That's the box. Mm -hmm. uh, I, 
I, I, yes, duh. <laughs> and I didn't, and it, and someone brought it to my attention. Like you realize that the idea that you did, and again, like when I did it, everyone was like, you're crazy. Like they're going to laugh at you. And my parents were like, this is beyond, but it did the what trick. Was the, what was the inspiration to do that this time, as opposed to just applying again? The like what plot, drove you first, to them? The, first of all, I didn't have tools that I have now, right? Like I didn't have like zoom info where i knew who was i was guessing people's emails addresses i was calling like like the main office and the same i still remember her name i'm not going to say the same woman was like sorry we can't talk to you hanging up on me she was never nice even when i worked there but um say the name no i don't know but nothing 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 worked (laughs) and so i was just like this was literally my dream job because it married technology, Canada, which I was so passionate about, like everything came together. And I was like, as a Weight Watchers member in Canada, I knew what they were missing. Like you'd go to these meeting rooms and they were like talking about American foods. And we were like, we don't have that product here or like all these issues. And so, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I guess since you, you know, you did talk about the box, can you tell us a little bit more about Bible Box and, and who you guys help? So we have all different kinds. So we're an influencer marketing agency. I say full service because we stay in our lane. We don't offer SEO and we don't offer email marketing. We only do influencer, very specific, but we do a lot with an influencer. So when you think about influencer and you say full service, people are like, that's bizarre. But you know, we do regular campaigns that are not a box. So any kind of influencer activation. We do our co-branded boxes, which are our Babel box, which are these themed kits that go out to brands. So they're multi-brand collab. So right now we have one for Super Bowl in market. We're gearing up for National Nutrition Month and we bring five brands in those boxes. They go out to influencers. And then because of those kits, then brands started to come to us saying, well, wait a minute, could you do custom kits? So we do custom kits. Uh, I would say my favorite way to describe them is these hype kits. We send them to influencers, but now more and more brands are like, well, wait a minute, we could use these kits and send them to buyers. We could send them as loyalty program there's so many use cases for the custom boxes and they don't have to just be a box. Like someone just asked us for a pinata. When, when you get those, oops, sorry. All you, I was going to say, um, for those boxes that you send, are they integrated into, um, the influencers, for example, um, incentives for getting paid for promotion, um, having like information about how to properly post, like how, like they, the influencer gets the box is it is everything kind of like ready for them like knowing that if i promote this i'm gonna get an incentive uh, for promoting it and have that listed um along with here's the tags i should use here's the mentions things like that like is that does that come as a full package or are there like add-on services i'm just trying to get a full understanding of like because i can imagine you're saying full service there's a lot that goes into preparing for these boxes so we're not a SaaS platform. Great question. So we cherry pick the influencers. They get assigned. We pay them. Every influencer is paid. So it's not just an affiliate model. We give them detailed briefs that they have to follow. That's the basic. Like, this is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Add-ons, yes. Could we do whitelisting? Yes. Could we have influencers do ratings and reviews? Yes. Could we have influencers do surveys pre, post, during the campaign? Sure. We do all the reporting. Um, we can do virtual events or live events if brands want that. So there are a lot of add-ons. Um, but with the giving the influencer guidelines, like that's like a whole that our whole like, account management team handles that. Okay. Great. 
And and you mentioned like sometimes now you know you had your initial purpose of what the boxes were for being sent to <clears throat> sent to influencers, um, and then all these other ideas started coming. Oh, can we send it to these per- these people and these people? When is that just a shiny object versus like a good long term strategy? Like, do do you have a kind of way of thinking there? Do you just say yes to everything, or how does that kind of plan? So work? great question. There's a bunch of things we don't want to be a printing company, right? So sometimes a company sees us and they're like, oh, can you make us boxes? Or, oh, can you make us boxes and do the fulfillment? And we take those. We're not just going to design and print a box because then again, that kind of makes us a printing company and that's not what we set out to do. Um, and we don't, you know, I'm not going to get on a call and tell someone, oh, you have to do a custom box. I don't think that that is the right. So it's expensive. It's not a lot of time and it might not be where you're at in your brand life cycle, like in your journey, like you might not be ready for it. So We'll be very honest with brands and say, no, you don't need it. Um, I think when you say, like, is it a shiny object? I think that that's why we try to be really intentional and creative with what we're providing. Um, And then that's why you have to start thinking about some of the other use cases. Like if it's just for something or sometimes a brand will say, can you just create us two boxes? What, you know, we did that once because it was for like the biggest influencer of influencers. And it was a huge box, the size of a person. But other than that. No. I, I think you just answered my exact next question, uh, but I'm going to ask anyway to see if there's anything else that you can add to that. But you, again, like you just mentioned even prior to that, that you try not to get into other services. You mentioned SEO before, and now you mentioned printing. And again, maybe you just shared this story, but like, have you tried something like that and it failed or you just were always so, you know, you always had your blinders on enough that you, you know, you knew your core competency and you never went in that direction. Look, could, you know, I don't know anything about SEO. I'm not an SEO expert and I love writing email copy, but I'm not an email marketing expert. And do agencies reach out to me and say, hey, could we strategically align? I'd rather do smart strategic alliances, but I don't know if I'm, I think the message becomes very confusing when you start to say, we do this and we do that. Like we've had a lot of PR people say, could we become your in-house PR person? And I I think we have to stay in our lane. And, you know, it's funny. So many people come to me and say, like, as I was growing this and people laughed at me when I launched this and what are you doing? And, oh, now they're like, there's so much competition. There's like 30,000 ad agencies in New York. So there's a thousand influencer agencies or like, if I stay in my lane, I know we could do what we're doing really, really well. Um, And we enjoy what we're doing and we want to provide the best value. And I think when you start to get all over the place, that dissipates. Yeah, it's amazing how there's a lot of agencies that go, they're very broad in what they offer. And that's their strategy for kind of, well, the client's going to need these other services. We're already providing this service, so we might as well get them for that service as well. But doing that, unless you're absolutely huge, but even then, you're not able to go deep. There's so many additional things that you can loop in and provide value for your clients just by going deep. And it's 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 amazing to hear how you you know, go deep with the box because there is, there is a lot to unpack and that really positions you and, and Babel box as a, you know, as a, as a trusted source, because you're just, you have that narrow, um, focus. Um, and I think it makes you easy to partner with. Thank you. And I think also the trustworthy thing, like, I don't want to be hitting people up like, Oh, we have this and Oh, we have that. Um, we want, yeah. And I and I have a standard question at the end that I'll kind of ask how you how you deal with those situations. You know, if there's a 
uh, if there's a service that someone asks for that you, you're not able to provide. Um, but I'll ask that later. But the one thing I want to add to this that I have kind of brought up before on other episodes is I always call it the diner example where, um, you know, a diner is going to have this huge menu. And, and usually it's not one or two things that's great. It's everything's like, OK, at best kind of thing, as opposed to this- Does a diner do that. Like, it's baffling well, that, to that's me. A, that's I wild. Yeah, I could get moussaka and then I could get fried chicken. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> that's, the a diner. Separate, that's a separate problem that I'm with you. But, <laughs> you know, right. then there's the steak restaurants that they stay in one. No, no, actually, you reminded me of something. There's a restaurant. You know what? I'm just going to say because I love them. It's Manioc Brewery in, in Philadelphia. They literally, I am not, they, they have an American menu. They have, they have sushi, they have pizza and they do everything excellent. So if anyone's in Philly, uh, many a brewery, doesn't matter what you get there. I don't, they're, I don't never eaten there. I think. Oh, they, they're the ones that somehow put like everything on the menu, but they actually mastered it all, which, uh, is My best friend lives in Philly. I just wrote it down. Uh, perfect. Yes. Manioc. Maybe it's all sourced. Maybe they have vendors that prepare everything. All they got to do is bring it out. It. Well, they they did bring in like a sushi chef, and they have like a whole pizza. Oh. They 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 cared about it, but I don't mm-hmm. know enough about that. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I actually want to totally change course now. Um. Uh. Because there's a common topic between the three of us that I I think it's actually kind of important to talk about. Um. And that's that each of us actually had immigrant parents or grandparents that moved here. Um. And sometimes had to start all over. Um. Which obviously, you know, growing up and seeing that, and you already shared some of the stories. Um, but what did you learn growing up with immigrant parents that, you know, I'll just, I'll leave it there. So what did you uh, learn growing up with immigrant parents? Like, I'm going to cry, but just how hard you work, like the, you just work hard. You just work. Um, and work doesn't just mean like what I'm doing here. Like if there's something on my floor, like scrubbing that floor or, you just have this an integrity and loyalty. Um, but like my father always said, like your word, like all you have is your word. Like if a client comes to me and says we weren't happy, like take your money back. Like if I, if you don't think I did a good job, I, I don't want to have that. Like I want everyone to know that we're working our hardest. And if it's not a thousand percent great, then yeah. And I, I think hard work. I think you mentioned um, in our discovery interview that your parents, when they came here, they couldn't get regular jobs. So they had to be entrepreneurial. What effect did that have on you growing up? My dad was never home. (laughs) So, you know, and he is like, I'm like so close with my parents that you could feel so much love with a parent who's never, I mean, he, he worked like he drove highways. He was never home. And Sunday, like that was his day at home. And that you could have that much love from someone who you you see it and the respect that you could have. Like, he just worked for us. Like, he's like, I don't need anything. I'm working for you guys. Like, and then my mother, like, in those days, a woman really didn't have a voice. But, like, how a woman had four kids in Canada where the snow's up to here and no car because they were too poor to, you know, and managed a house with four kids all under the age of, like, I don't know, eight. Uh, I have one kid and I have a hard time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing where that kind of strength and just like I guess like the gumption comes from just like, yeah, we're 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 doing this. We're gonna move to a completely new area, learn a new language, pick up skills that we never thought we had before. I mean, I'm baffled at how my parent my parents moved from Ukraine in ninety four and both of my parents were attorneys. Like they they 
taking themselves through school. My mom is Jewish. She actually couldn't get into medical school, so she had to find another direction there. Um, so she had a connection. She was able to get into law school. My wow. dad spent, he spent like three years just trying to get into law school and get into law school, make it, and then leave all of that behind to come here. To My dad worked night shift at a gas station and my mom cleaned houses in the beginning and then worked at a dry cleaners just to get everything set up. And then they eventually created careers for themselves here um, in the tech space. But I don't like thinking about, they came here right around the age that I am. I can't imagine leaving everything with like, I have have a baby boy. I can't, it's just, but having that, seeing that like so much as possible, it just kind of, it kind of, yeah. And it paves the way for like, if you want to do it, you'll figure it out. Um, Yeah. My my grandfather also uh, came from Poland uh, and had moved to Uruguay for a little bit and then eventually moved to Philadelphia. And uh, he started a company as well. And you can just see like the work ethic that he had. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this like on a podcast that goes public, uh, but, you know, Americans are spoiled. Uh, and actually, <laughs> I, I, forget, I forget who said this, but um, oh, I really forget who said this, but they were like, it, it actually is lost after two generations uh, that like. That like oomph or, or like that work ethic. Not to say that you can't be too good and still have a good work ethic, but it's not really tied to like that storyline anymore. And I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the second generation, so I so I guess I'm talking trash. But you see, that's what the robbery did for me because by the you know again I was mm-hmm. the girl after three boys. And my brothers were like, she's so spoiled, she's so spoiled, and maybe I was. And that robbery made me. I was like, okay, I gotta like get gritty. Mm-hmm. Oh, the perfect transition. So I wanted, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, I wanted to stick with family. Um, and one of the articles that I read about you says that your dad taught you to stare fear in the face. And then your mom uh, is who you learned to trust your gut. Um, so I think both things are very important, but I actually want to focus on trusting your gut. Um, and I think I shared a short story last time we spoke, but how do you listen to your gut? Do you have any, do you, do you focus on specifically? Do you think it's actually just natural to you now? Like, what does that look like? I think that I'm by nature very intuitive. And I think that for so many years, people told me like with the Weight Watchers thing, like you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. And if you have that intuition, listen to it. Don't listen to the, I'm crying, to the outside voices, right? And so it's like taking the outside voices and not listening to them is I think one of the biggest steps. It's even like, you'll see it on social. Like, why are you listening to all the noise? Or when I started this company and people are like, there's, there's one woman who kept calling me and really might want to come work with you. And she would always find a thing. And it's like the noise. Um, but I think that, I think that it's, 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 it's something that you just feel. And if it feels like you should do it, you do it. I mean, with the exception of certain things. What, you know, what makes you emotional when speaking about that? I've just, you just, you're bringing up my parents a lot. So I get emotional. That's fair. <laughs> I don't know if it was, you know, it's something else there, but, um, so, okay, I'll get off the parents' topic. Uh, first of all, I really appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, to get to, again, you know, us being in this third season, um, I just want to focus on, you know, the communities that you're part of. And and the first, I think, naturally, is your employees. Um, so I just want to get a, bit, a general understanding of how you can build a strong community between your employees or how you do it now. I don't look at, I look at heart. I don't look at where they went to school. The best hires I ever made are people who just, one work. 
I'll teach you anything. And if you want to work, like I don't I, like degrees, pedigrees, fancy stuff doesn't, you know, maybe that's pretty timely right now. I don't know. I'm a big micro fan. Um, and I think that it's all about, we're all, I always say this, like we have to row in the same direction. Um, there was a point in the company where, and I identify like three types of toxic characters you can have in a company. It was very hard and they've all since left, but the negative person who's just so negative that they pull everyone down and everything is no, no, no negative. The drama queen, that's everything is like, oh my God, you know, all the, and the manipulator, like that commission was mine. And for years I had people like that on my team and I kept them because I felt bad and they were part of my team and naturally they all moved on. But when you have that magic team and people are just happy, like I'll identify if someone's not happy, like move on, like I'll help you find a job. Like I want, like we're not saving lives with what we do. We're in marketing. Like I feel like I work at Disneyland every day. And if you don't feel that way and you want to go be a teacher, is into height. I'll help you become a teacher. You know what I mean? Like, um, so yeah, I think it's about if, if you have to be happy. I had one woman tell me over Christmas, you know, it was bonus time. And she says, you wouldn't even have to pay me and I would come work here. So that's the kind of culture that, you know, of course I pay her. But, you know. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, we could take the salary out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I, I love that. I think it's important to highlight. Um, and I guess the next community thing that I want to highlight is the volunteer work that you do, um, especially with the one-on-one business counseling for the Women's Center of Entrepreneurship. Um, so I just want to kind of understand what that means to you and, and why you do it. You know, again, I think that they always say like, reach out to people you know, because, and I was always too shy to ever ask anyone for anything. I think yesterday was the first time in a, I've ever done it and it wasn't even for me. No one helps you. And so not enough people help people. And if I could help people, call me anytime. I, that's who I am and I'll help anyone. So entrepreneurs, specifically women, don't have a high success rate. They don't know how to get started. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, we work with One Simple Wish, which is a charity for foster children, which we send them kind of like these candy boxes just to bring cheer to their life. Um, so, but I think you know, any way that you could help other people, I'm all in. I love that. Um, Alex, any other questions before I jump to these last questions? I think um, I'm going to have more questions as you jump into the next ones of how we work with other marketing agencies. Perfect. Um, so yeah, like I mentioned, uh, a few of the questions that I, I typically ask at the end, um, if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Oh my God. <laughs> Don't stay in your silo. Like, don't assume like so many brands like, oh, men are not our demo. Try it, test it. Or women 50 plus are too old for us. Or we need to be like with the hottest, you know, beauty people. What if maybe that's not like people want what they think they want. Like, it's really cool to have the hot women and promote your product. Maybe that's not where your product is going to shine. So don't stay in that silo. That's great. Um, how can you work with other marketing agencies or what services can you partner with a other agencies? So in other words, you know, what do agencies tend to reach out to you for? All things influencers. So manage influencer campaigns, help do an event with influencers, help create a box with anything influencer. 
And then the other way around, you know, if a client asks, can you do this? And, and this is what we were talking about earlier, but, uh, and it's a service that you don't currently provide. How do you typically handle that request? We don't get them that often, but truthfully, when we do, it's like we, we know other companies that we could go to. So if it's PR, we have PR people that we could turn to. If it's digital, we have digital people, but yeah. Alex, did you have any questions on that? I'm I'm just thinking through what are the most typical services that you work with other agencies for that you don't do in-house? Like, for example, like, is there any editing or any type media of buying. media buying? Okay. Can you talk more yeah, about that? So, yeah. So a lot of times with influencers, you want to boost the content from their account. So media buying, and then you want to take that content and whitelist it so turn it into ads or turn it into other things and so that's where we'll partner with other we have like a partner who helps us with that makes sense is that yeah is that partner um specific to understanding how that works in uh the influencer space or just understanding how it works on different social platforms i guess like where's well, where's the specialty okay they are a media buyer specialty firm, but then they know how to do influence. And there's all kinds of stuff with influencer boosting, getting into their accounts and getting permissions and then the rights and the tags. So they, hmm. they, yeah. That Happy actually, to introduce that, you. Yeah. That actually, they may be a good guest for our show because we haven't had someone that specifically focuses on that side of it. I love him. His name is, it's Hack Labs. I'll introduce you. He's awesome. Cool. That'd be awesome. Um, if you were listening to this show, what topics would you like us to cover? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> live stream shopping. Mm. Oh, retail media networks. Like retail media networks. So live oh, stream it, shopping, like, like, uh, like Poshmark live type. You think like, like TikTok shop? Like what yeah. is like, I think that so many, Brands don't like everyone's been talking about it for five years, right? Mm -hmm. No one is anyone really actually doing this on TikTok. Like, we don't have any of our brands doing it except for maybe one. Yeah. Um, retail media networks, I think, is just turning everything on its head. So, I think those are two. Uh, the TikTok yeah. shop is blowing up right now. Um, at no, but let me, and I'm it's still early. yeah, and people aren't taking advantage of it like they should be right now. So my 12-year-old, and I don't know if we got scammed, ordered custom cell phone case on TikTok shop, put in our credit card, and it's no, it's not here yet. It's two weeks later. So what is I this? Guess. Like, Who is, you could be buying from anyone, and now they have your credit card. I, my, my guess is that TikTok, that's, that their whole model has to be protecting that. Um, my other guess is that you know, anyone can sell on Amazon. Anyone can technically sell on TikTok. And I think a lot of times these are people that maybe they're actually getting pre-orders. They're not telling you that. And they're just trying to see if they can get enough. And then they're ordering it. Or um, again, sometimes these are just little mom and pop. Not even mom and pop. It's a single person uh, in their house that is I like agree. selling a, a Chinese product or something like that. So um, yeah. it's updated. <laughs> if you, if you end up Josh, it would be interesting. I think we have a little bit of time for this. It'd be interesting. So your experience on the Amazon side. Um, and uh, I mean, I haven't tuned into this too much, but there is live shopping on Amazon as well, right? People can stream. Yeah, we did a um, campaign like that. 
Okay. So are you working with influencers that are like Amazon sellers as well? Oh, that's we, That's why I ask you about the, like, there's TikTok sellers, there's mm -hmm. Walmart people. Like, that's the whole retail media network thing. Interesting. Josh, have you come across that? Uh, we, the, I, I actually don't know about the Amazon Live thing. Um, what we're so I come from the M and A space, uh, and what we're really seeing are these people, the companies that just blew up on TikTok this year, uh, and we call them TikTok companies that are just kind of made for. I'm gonna write this fast. To be shown on TikTok, there was like this little, I forget exactly what it did, but it was like this little. It looked like a pop, but it was something you put on your skin, uh, and 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 like you would rub, you know, whatever all the facial, whatever, whatever. Um, but that was perfectly made for tiktok right like it's great to show people putting it mm. on their everything it's got a I little design saw a duck that you could make like you take cream and you put it in this duck and now you have this big cream duck on your coffee but anyway, that's, i'm sorry that's a tiktok product no anything that like can be shown off a little bit more not just a blanket you know um and maybe a blanket is great on amazon but wouldn't be great on on tiktok um so i will say at least in the m a space and i would say any e-commerce business especially if they think they might be a tiktok company to really look like look at TikTok because the sales we're seeing, we've seen companies go from two hundred thousand in sales to two million in sales in by the end of year just because of TikTok sales. Um, They're just posting stuff on TikTok from like their founder. Like who's posting the content for them? Like what are they doing? That could be anyone, I guess. Some you know, I think the one that I'm thinking of, they actually do it themselves. Um, but other ones, they'll hire. You know, whether it's a marketing agency or whatever, same, same, similar videos that are going to go on. Well, not really Amazon, but uh, they're already kind of doing it for social media anyway. Like, let's get on TikTok because TikTok shop is is just blowing up right now. So, and then just connect the product there. So you just you see the video, video gets some hype, right? And I, then I can't buy. tell you how many sales. So anything that's like enter an entertaining product that you can show off on a on a TikTok visual. style video. I think, okay, I think the cream thing was like, you could see all the stuff on your face, right? Not only that, cool. but it was actually like, it was like a silly design. Like it was this, it looks like a, a like a push pop almost. And because mm -hmm. even just the look of it was like, anyone could put cream on their face, right? But it was like, literally the look of the product was different. Um, and, and for that reason, it ended up blowing up on TikTok. Uh, so yeah, yeah. TikTok is, and, and I'll be honest, I don't see it cooling off anytime soon i i see that as like it's it, we're still in the ramp up phase um i'm trying to think if there's like another example of something that took off and then and then didn't really go anywhere after two years but i i see tiktok shop or whatever it's called uh so sherry how, how would that work for your business let's say like you identified these influencers on tiktok you have clients who have products that would be good for visual aspect you know that the sale is going to happen on tiktok right like how would what would how would you monetize it? Would you would it be like a direct payment to the? I think it would the influencer. No, it's yeah. a direct payment to the. Yeah, well, the the influencer on that side could take a cut, right? Right, mm -hmm. um, and they would take Based it affiliate. But we still pay the influencers. So a lot of times the influencers like, I don't care. I just want to know I'm getting paid for my work. It could be a hybrid model where they get a cut. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. if and they saw some of the numbers, uh, they would ask for uh, that affiliate. <laughs> That's well. Now we so, just need to invent the product. Yeah, the, the, the product goes on the TikTok shop. The influencer markets it and links it so that it's right there. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think that's the first time we talked about TikTok on uh, one of these episodes. But who better to? No, talk there was one other. There was one other person we interviewed that went into TikTok more. 
but it is, it's been, yeah, it's only it's growing, been two. growing and blowing up. Yeah. Um, a couple more questions. Uh, are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? Um, I'm always looking for people. I like good people, but just good people. Nothing Anything? specific. I don't good. know. Um, anyone in business development, growth, um, content. So I think one of the hardest things to find is someone who could create good B2B content. Can't find it. If I had to start another business, it would be B2B content marketing agency because no one, it's very hard to find people to do that, get B2B. If you're looking for like a partner instead of a hire, I think we have one or two that we can go back. The guests that we interviewed that are more. Yeah. yeah. So there is actually, yeah, there's one coming that specifically focuses on creating content. And I think their niche is B2B. That's right. So yeah, because yeah. the hard thing for us is when we do our content, it's like, oh, you're promoting a lipstick, but I can't post it on social or LinkedIn that, oh, look at this cute lipstick. I'm not trying to sell the lipstick. I'm trying to say, we promoted this lipstick because they wanted to tap into consumers who were shoppers of Walmart, who lived in this area code. And it's very so hard it's like, to get. It's like case studies, essentially. It's You're promoting the, like, the, the yeah. results. Yeah. And the yeah. case study. Or the intent or why. And I, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. You can go back and, and see who that was and if, and yeah. see, see if an intro good makes case sense. studies. Yeah. Content paired with a good, the right frame for a good case study that would resonate with those companies. I think they talked yeah. about studies too. Um, last question and my favorite question, any book, podcast, or newsletter recommendations? Uh, well, oh my God. I listen to so many. So I love Mel, Rob, Mel, Mel Robbins now. Sometimes like it's like the loop. So it's like, I like Mel Robbins. And I listen to the gentleman from capital.com or capitalism.com. He just teaches entrepreneurs. He has this whole model, like how to make a million dollars, sell four products a day at $25. And if you sell four products a day at $25, you'll make a million dollars at the end of the year. Again, I don't have a product to sell, but um, I listen to everything. I used to listen to Mixer G all the time. Um, there's another gentleman. His name is, I listen to all the top business books. I'm just constantly listening to business books. These are all names, uh, names I haven't heard of, uh, which really? is- yeah. So, uh, and anyone else on that side? I think Mel Mel Robbins is like the number one podcaster in the world. That I think she says that she is. Maybe that maybe she's in a category. She is. I don't know. I don't think I know her. How to stop screwing yourself over is her no her big TED talk. No, the Mel the Mel Robbins podcast. She has the five minute like the five second rule. If you don't want to do something, count the five second rule. Yeah. Five five habits. Oh, interesting. I will I will check that out. Not related yeah. to no no interesting. Um, awesome. Well, as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Okay, so you could find us at uh, well, you could just write to me, Sherry S H E R I at Babblebox with two X's dot com. You could find us across social. It's Babblebox, so B A B B L E B O X X. Sometimes it's Babblebox official, um, but on any of our channels. And then I will end by saying that, like the you, the two of you, I feel like I've known you for like twenty years. You are the nicest, kindest gentleman, and I just thank you and delighted to have had this opportunity and the chance to meet you. I, we really appreciate that. That is, that Thank was you. very nice of you to say. Um, uh, the last thing I say before my last sentence is going back to my grandfather, actually, and the first ever business advice he ever gave to me. Um, he said, 
just don't do it. Uh, just don't start a company that you need to spell on the phone every time. Yours is not bad. You you just had because you said the two X's, and I thought that was funny that you like because you get after that. And his his company was Strain Optics, and he was like, just don't. So my first company was Game Plan. Uh, we we made. Oh, that's cool. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show and and also sharing those kind words. Uh, and for those of you who've learned something new from this episode, please consider giving us a like or a follow so we can continue getting the highest quality guests. Uh, and as always, thank you for listening, Sherry. I had just a, as good of a time on this as well. So thank you so, so much. Stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.